Well, hey there, everybody, and good morning this September 22nd, 2023. I hope everybody's doing well this Friday. Here we are again on our now weekly cadence. I don't know if it'll always be Friday, but it's Friday now for the second week in a row, and we're going to talk a little bit about news media reporting, headlines, all the good stuff that we always talk about in this space. But first, we're going to hang out a little bit. How is everybody doing today? Where are you chatting from? Where is everybody's mental state as we go into this third Hangouts and Headlines in a row? Good morning, everyone, says P.E. And good morning from Dallas, says Stephanie. Good morning from Arizona, says Pamela. And we've got lots of good representation from America's southern regions, including Albuquerque by Vintage Willow. Let's see what else we've got here. Tara says, happy Friday from Ontario, Canada. Happy Friday, Canada. Rough week for me, says Stephanie G. Yeah, it's been a long week. I'm glad to be here doing some hanging out with you this Friday morning, getting into the weekend, hopefully a little bit more relaxing for everybody. We'll see how it goes. Afternoon from Stockholm, says Alia. Morning from Montana, says January. Good morning. I just made it, says Emily. YouTube is playing a little fast and loose with the notifications. I've noticed that a little bit. If you like this channel, if you like Hangouts and Headlines or Virtual Legality or anything else, check to make sure if you want to be subscribed that you are, in fact, still subscribed. We had a little bit of a culling on YouTube the last few days. That happens from time to time. YouTube just kind of decides what it wants to do with its buttons. Look at that. Hit subscribe if you want to be subscribed. Give likes. Do all those various things. Hit the buttons that YouTube knows that you want to be engaged with this content. And maybe it will deign to notify you the next time I go live. I'm sorry that I don't have a more regular schedule on these right now. But unfortunately, we're kind of at the behest of the YouTube notification system right now. Baby Meatball says, I'm doing great now that H&H is on. That's very nice of you. Thank you. 13 Flag says, greetings from Germany. I love it. I always love to hear where everybody's calling in from, as it were. Happy Friday evening from Melbourne, Australia. You know, we start every morning in Hogue House during a school year with Bluey, so we feel very connected to Australia during the school season. Morning, everyone, says Celine. Good morning from Massachusetts, says Jill. I'm watching from Oklahoma, says Cynthia. Hello, everybody. Again, I hope you're having a good day. Good day from Finland. Afternoon from the UK. We're going to talk about the UK today a little bit. You can't talk about Rupert Murdoch without talking about the United Kingdom and his newspapers there. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, certainly. Good morning from Connecticut. Good morning from San Diego. That's really both sides of the United States spectrum there, Connecticut and San Diego. Been a good week here, says me and my A. Just looking forward to going to Disney next week. I hope you have a great time. It's always nice to be looking forward to a vacation coming up. Marvin says, hello, I'm in Prague again, working. I think we talked about Prague last week. It's always been a place I want to visit, not for work necessarily, but I hope you're having a good day. Paige says, coming in from Northern Indiana with a Diet Pepsi. I don't have a Diet Pepsi, I just have tea here, but I'm glad you have a Diet Pepsi. It's always a risk to use just the left hand on a drink, but we're going to get through it together. Eris says, hey, from Sweden. Hey, Sweden. 
Christian says, good morning from South Carolina. I'm excited to see one live. Yeah, I'm excited to be here live. Kelly says, mental state is pretty good for Friday. Well, good. It's, it's been a week. Did a lot of therapy yesterday. Therapy days are always tough. So it's nice to not do therapy today. Although technically doing a show live on YouTube is a kind of speech therapy. But in any event, it's good to be here with you all in Hangouts and Headlines. Ms. Hoagslaw says, good morning from Michigan. That is indeed where we are. Robbie says, good morning from Nova Scotia. Thank you, everybody. Really glad to see everybody tuning in and finding us no matter what day we put the show on. So I'm really thankful for that, everybody. I feel this one from the crazy panda lady. Hello from Sacramento. A little stressed since final income tax deadline is approaching. Yep. If you uh, took the delay from April of this year, we've you've only got a few weeks left to get your taxes in. It's always a fun time. Powerpuff says Friday made even better with Hogan H and H. Thank you. It's too many H's. We got just too many H's up in here. All right, everybody. Anyone watching anything fun in TV or movie land? Playing any cool video games that you're enjoying? Playing any board games that you like? I tweeted out. I don't, do I still tweet out on X? I don't know. I posted earlier this week that I kickstarted, which I don't regularly do, a board game update for the board game Final Girl that I've been playing this year that I only got this year after everything happened in the hospital. And I really enjoy it. They are doing a season three Kickstarter. If you don't know Final Girl, it's basically a solo board game that is premised around kind of horror tropes that you are going to be the final girl to survive this movie. And each box has a movie and a killer, and you have to try to get victims to escape with you while also fighting off the killer. And you can combine any killer with any location. And it's just a really good time. It's very intellectually demanding, which I have liked on some of my more boring therapy or other days uh and if you if you like the sound of that at all i couldn't recommend it more it's the most thematic board game i think i've ever played so final girl check it out it's my it's my pitch for this episode uh i am not in any way affiliated with final girl or van rider games or the people that make it or the kickstarter i'm just a supporter and i love the product so check it out if you're interested i love the game I think this one's going to be important today. This is a Nightbot message, but I just want to again say, hey, look, for some reason, I just keep picking political or politically adjacent topics here for Hangouts and Headlines these first couple weeks back. Um, but although Rupert Murdoch is a politically relevant topic, this is not a political channel. This is not a politics episode. And so I just remind everybody that reasonable minds can differ on everything we're going to talk about in either direction. And what we're really interested in here is looking at the way the media covers the same story from multiple angles here. We've got a lot of tabs ready to be discussed today. So stick with me. I know it's a passionate topic. I saw even when I tweeted out this one, again, I'm not sure if I'm tweeting anymore, but Xing doesn't sound right. Um, when I tweeted out that a number of people had very pointed responses to the news and the existence of this video, maybe even more so than the first one that we did. So just stick with me, and we're going to all talk about this reasonably, however you might feel one way or the other.
Lexi says, still working through Baldur's Gate 3 and Dave the Diver. Yes, I, there's just an untold amount of content in these video games that have come out in the last couple of months. So yeah, I, I might not ever beat Baldur's Gate 3, but uh, it's a fantastic experience. And now the, the new Cyberpunk version is out. And so that's getting really polished up and has an expansion coming next week. Just a lot of good stuff. SS Shars has finished a discovery of witches on Max. You know, I just got that on my voodoo, and I've only through the first couple of episodes. Um, and I, I primarily got it um, for Mrs. Hoglaw because the main male character, I think, is Mary's love interest in the second half of Downton Abbey. Uh, and so that's an interesting reason I know to get a show, but sometimes you find interesting reasons to, to get interested in things. So... I'm glad it's good. I look forward to watching it at some point in the future. Matthew says, I was just rewatching the depth trial. Not sure how the idea came to me. It's amazing. My wife was just at the dentist this week and a bunch of people said, oh, I saw your husband on the Netflix documentary, which is just amusing to me because you know, we didn't license anything out. They just pulled it from YouTube clips of me on Legal Bites's channel, which is great. But it's it's interesting to go into the dentist and say, oh, yeah, we, we were watching your husband on Netflix. Okay, great. Nothing new in movie land, says Nicole, but did watch Edward Scissorhands with Celine last night. He convinced us he has scissors for fingers. He did. Lots of Johnny Depp references. I like it. Colonel says, I'm excited for the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show and Loki 2. One of the Hoaglings could not be more excited about the Percy Jackson show. Absolutely adores Percy Jackson. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I am hopeful, but Disney Plus has not, has not made shows that I adore for the most part. There's one big exception, and that's Andor. Um, right now we're watching Ahsoka. And while I don't hate it, it doesn't offend me or anything. I don't love it either. Sorry about that. Just looking through the chats a little bit. It's always good streaming when you're just blank and staring at text messages, I know. All right, let's see. Christy Fletcher, Final Girl is so good. I saw the Kickstarter video yesterday. The villains look a little interesting. Think one was a Terminator type. Yes, this is season three. So season one had a kind of Friday the 13th person and a um, Nightmare on Elm Street person. This one has like a Terminator, some kind of um, like Stranger Things villain, a Quiet Place villain. It looked like Hellraiser to me. And they're all offshoots, right? Um, they're not like the official license material because you don't need that to get the theming. And as we talk about in virtual legality, you can't copyright ideas. You copyright expressions. So Final Girl seems fine, um, certainly on how they do that. But they are funny when you, you see it's okay. It's, it's not Nightmare on Elm Street. It's something like Terror on Fear Street or something like that. Um, and they're all like that. But I, I couldn't recommend the board game more if it sounds interesting to you at all. All right. Yeah. Xing really doesn't sound right, does it, Chrissy Lee? No. Nope. Does not sound like something you'd want to be talking about on YouTube, certainly. YouTube probably just demonetized and pulled this video because I said Xing. <laughs> Against the Tide says, I still say Twitter. I refuse to say X. Sure. I don't blame you. 
It's not a terribly useful brand designation. Jan says, wishing I was home playing Destiny this afternoon instead of being in work dealing with patients. I get that. I can certainly understand that. I've had a little bit too much free time this year for my liking, but I certainly understand wanting to do something else other than work. Eat Fresh Guy says, I have a ton of homework due today and this weekend, trying to finish it now instead of playing more Starfield. Yep, I can understand the pull. I've been enjoying Starfield at the same time I've been playing Baldur's Gate, some other games, Octopath Traveler, some JRPGs on the Switch. And uh, there's just too much to go through at any given time. Lexi says, oh no, my friend is on Cyberpunk now and it's been so tempting, but these games truly do have so much content. They do, they have too much. Too much to enjoy this year, but there are worse problems to have, believe me. Tech to Help Us says, what does everyone think of Lies of P? Lies of P is great. Highly recommended. Give it a try. If you have Game Pass, it's on Game Pass right now. If you don't, it's still worth the purchase. It's a very, very good Dark Souls type game. If you like those at all, you should give it a shot. The Heather says, I just started the Billions show. Yeah, and that might come up today as well. We're definitely going to talk a little bit about succession. We can't really not uh, when we talk about Rupert Murdoch and Fox News and News Corp. So if you haven't seen succession, I can recommend it. But it's a very particularized kind of taste. It's a it's a very specific kind of show. Against that, did they copyright claim Alita as well? I honestly don't know. So one of the problems that was happening with the Netflix documentary is they created this documentary out of YouTube footage, right? If you've seen this, you know that they just pull things from YouTube and put them directly in their documentary. And when they uploaded their documentary to be protected through content ID on YouTube, the people that made the YouTube videos originally were getting struck or were getting claimed against. Uh, and so it's possible that they could have used a clip from Alita's show where I'm on it and I'm in this documentary and then said, oh, Alita's show, the original that they pulled from is infringing on our copyright, which isn't the case, right? Legally, that's not what's happening. But the content ID doesn't know. The content ID knows that a documentary was uploaded and now there's an exact match for this time frame that is used in the documentary. So they were claiming from some of the people whose clips they use, which of course is not good. It's not right. But I don't know whether they hit a leader or not. I haven't heard. I'm rewatching Depth Heard and reading along with the transcript to find out what happened at the sidebars. Yeah, it's like getting a little uh, code breaking in during the session that we looked at last year. Stephanie says, Good Omens Season 2 was fantastic. You know, I tried to watch Good Omens and I only ever got like 10 minutes in. So I, I should probably try that again. Just like video games, there's too much TV to watch, isn't there? Wow. Elena says, I'm waiting for the, the Continental miniseries to come out to completely binge it. That's the one based on the John Wick franchise. I think that could be good, although I will miss Lance Reddick, certainly. Also, I've been watching Only Murders in the Building on Disney Plus slash Hulu. Such a good show. Yes, it's, it's very good. I like Only Murders in the Building. I'm not a big Selena Gomez fan. And Martin Short, I've always had a kind of complicated fan relationship with because I like a lot of the movies he's in, but I don't know that I like his style that much, but I love Steve Martin. 
Christian says, EDB, Emily D. Baker, has been talking about the Roman Empire all week, but I think the last time I thought about them was while reading the books by the Percy Jackson author. Oh, yes, she asked me in chat the other day whether or not I think about the Roman Empire, and I think my response was something along the lines of, I think about all sorts of ancient empires pretty often, um, not just the Roman Empire. And so we talked a little bit about that and how the Roman Empire comes up. I said, I think about them in respect of Latin, certainly as a lawyer, we do a lot of Latin phraseology. And I think about like when we talk about a subpoena, that's sub poena, that's that's under penalty, right? You're, you're subpoenaed, you have to give whatever they've asked for under penalty of law. And that's a Latin concept and a, a Roman Empire concept. And so I think about those things. And I also think about them in connection with things like the invasion of England and Egypt and the Bible and biblical times and all sorts of things like that. But I also think about those ancient empires, the Egyptian empire, Babylonia, uh, the Greek empires, Macedonia, those kinds of things. So yes, I think about that stuff maybe not once a day, but a couple times a week at least. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting. There's a book called The Final Girl Support Group. I bet there is, but that is not the Kickstarter. Final Girl is a is a pretty well-known trope. Uh, if you've watched any horror movies or even suspense movies, you know it from things like Alien, where, of course, Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley is the sole survivor of the Nostromo, that kind of thing. You, you also see it in things like Scream, where you have Nev Campbell's character, whose name escapes me for a minute here, um, surviving those movies for the most part. Haven't seen the most recent one, so if she doesn't survive that one, don't tell me. Emily says, not exactly high art, but Real Housewives of Salt Lake City had a great episode this week. Hey, first of all, I do not demand only high art recommendations here. I'm not even telling you what TV show I'm watching this week because it's uh, so lowbrow and so kind of objectively terrible. I don't want to admit to even enjoying it. So, hey, not exactly high art is more than welcome here. Akaruki says, I still don't get how Content ID thinks a newer upload is more original than the old YouTube streams a year ago. I just don't think it was designed to kind of look at the time dates and things like that and figure it out because when it was invented, people were uploading things that were from years ago, right? But those dates of upload would still be later than the actual copyright effect. So they, they wouldn't necessarily have a dating system that they'd want to just be hard and fast behind the scenes. Staria says, I'm definitely not a Neil Gaiman fan. Well, the thing is with me is I do like Neil Gaiman a lot. I, I love Sandman. I love some of the things that he's done. I just haven't gotten into Good Omens as much as I would want to. What Netflix show is everyone talking about that Hogue is in? I think it's just called Depth V Heard. Is that the name of it? It's just a documentary of footage from things like YouTube and news media covering the Depth V Heard trial. And I'm in a few scenes where I was on Alita's Legal Bites media channel. Have you talked about your ranking of ancient civilizations? I don't think I've ever ranked them, but the ones I think about the most tend to be Greek. I I tend to like thinking about like the Peloponnesian War, Athens versus Sparta, that kind of thing. I'm not a scholar or anything, but that is one of the areas where I where I do think about things a lot, right? Boats in the Mediterranean, fighting on the shores, that kind of thing is is interesting to me. 
Googleman says, I like Ahsoka considering it's a miniseries. The pacing sure seems to set up a second season, though. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very slow. It is a ponderous show. It's visually interesting. I actually really like the visuals they've come up with, which you would expect from an animation director. But it is very slow in the telling, and I'm just not that interested in where it's going so far. And maybe that'll all change. It still has two episodes left, I think. But as of right now, I fell asleep while I was watching the Ahsoka episode this week and then thought I missed everything interesting that had happened. And I, I went back and rewatched it and I did not. There just wasn't really anything that happened at all in the episode. Catherine says, I'm surprised people don't think about the Roman empire, right? I mean, how can you not think about aqueducts and sewer systems and, all this stuff related to Rome and the various things that came before us. I also often think about, you know, what would my life be like if it was in a completely different technological environment? And that's that's really interesting to think about. Marmar says, I heard you gave EDB your ranking of the ancient empires. I didn't rank anything. Emily is overselling here. But I did mention various empires that I think about, including Athens and Sparta, the Peloponnesian War. Uh, Macedonia, Egypt, Rome. I tend to think of the Greeks with science, Rome with kind of the martial arts, war and whatnot. And certainly when I think of swords and sword play, I think of the Roman Empire. But I didn't rank anything. So I'm not holding out on you. I'm not secretly ranking ancient empires here just off screen. I just don't have a ranking. P.E. says, going to a murder mystery dinner show tomorrow. We'll try channeling home to solve the case. Well, good luck with that. I'm not the greatest detective in the world, but murder mysteries and detective gameplay are very popular in Hogue House. In fact, my eldest daughter had a murder mystery party that she did where she wrote all the parts and wrote the mystery itself and invited seven of her friends over last week, and they had a great time. So she loves that. Maritza says, Hogue, you look good, which I'm going to take as a measure of my health and not just get all egotistical here, but I appreciate that. Thank you very much. S.S. Shar says, have you seen The Wheel of Time? Um, I believe you're referring to the TV show and not just in general um, because that's a little bit more metaphorical. But yes, I have seen the TV show. It's kind of bland fantasy that I forget pretty easily. I, it's, it's interesting, right? The, the bland, competent fantasy is not as interesting to me as either the great fantasy, you know, your Lords of the Rings or the terrible fantasy, um, the CW kind of shows. And so that middle ground is like the least interesting to me, but I have seen the wheel of time. Yes. The Heather says Moon Knight on Disney is a favorite for me based on the Egypt background. I really liked Moon Knight for a couple of episodes there. And then I thought it got too circular, too weird for me to enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Mrs. Hogue says, ha, 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 me and my Hoagling's Latin teacher said, your parents won't know what this means. And the Hoagling said, mine will. Oh, yes. Well, we might have wedding rings with certain Latin phrases in them. You know, we're weirdos, though. Googleman says, I like Terry Pratchett more than Guyman, but he's not writing anymore. Yeah, that does happen. Um, yeah, and I and I can see that. I. I like Neil Gaiman's stuff, but I'm not sure I always like his plot lines. Um, 
I, I like that kind of original burst of creativity and imaginativeness that comes with Neil Gaiman. And I think you get some of that with Terry Pratchett, but I do think Terry Pratchett might write better stories overall. I'm willing to grant that. Francisco says American Gods was so good. You know, I didn't watch that. I don't think I had whatever channel it was on at the time. Is that HBO? Um, so I haven't caught up on that either. So I'm, I'm a bad Neil Gaiman fan. Mrs. Hoglaw says, yep, it's one of our favorite phrases. One of these Latin phrases I missed in the chat. Sorry about that. Celine says, I wanted the Depth V Heard documentary, or I watched it. It was very biased. I don't recommend it. That was what people have told me, but I have not actually watched it myself. So I'm doing a bad job of catching my own media appearances, apparently, but a lot of people have referenced it, so it's definitely gotten around to folks that were interested in the topic. Christy says the term final girl was coined in 1992 by film professor Carol Clover in her book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in Modern Horror. It sounds right. And, and technically speaking, a final girl doesn't have to be a girl, although the board game has stuck with it. Um, it's just this kind of notion of a person that survives one of these circumstances. And final girl, I think, if you look at it from like kind of a gender in modern horror aspect, is probably one of those takes that applies kind of either gender stereotypes or situations onto horror movies in general, which I've never really, I've never really fully brooked. Like I love horror movies. Um, and I don't really, I don't really agree that they're all, you know, metaphors for sexuality or anything like that, but there's certainly messaging that can happen in some of those movies, especially in the eighties. Kelly says, I wouldn't call it a documentary, more like a compilation if they're only using clips. Well, I haven't watched it myself, but people have told me that it's only using clips. And I think it might have narration over it. So I, I think it is a documentary, but I haven't watched it. So I apologize for that. Editor Daniel Marie says, I think about Greece for mythology, Egypt for astrology, Rome for Christianity, and all of them for art and architecture. Yeah, I can see that. And that's kind of the list that I gave to Emily. I said Greece for science. Um, and Rome for swordplay. Um, but for Egypt, I mean, I can't help but think of the pyramids and kind of statuary and certain religious aspects, mummification, that kind of thing. Um, and like the intro to the 90s, the mummy movie, right, where you have like the, the fly through of Egypt, that kind of thing. And as a person that loves movies and TV and, and, and pop culture media overall, you get a lot of chance to think about these things. You know, I love Assassin's Creed. So you're thinking about empires more than maybe some when you, when you go through those, because Assassin's Creed is all in the past. Marvin says Latin is great. I recommend it for understanding English better. Yes. If I could recommend things for English, I would recommend diagramming sentences and learning Latin. I think both of those things really help you understand English sentences and how people communicate in this language. Absolutely. Francisca said I had to study Roman law in my first year of law school. I did not, I don't think, unless I'm blacking it out. I do not believe I studied ancient laws when I was in law school. Caden says, I feel like I think about the French Revolution more than I do the Roman Empire. Sure. I mean, I think all of the kind of major revolutions of the 
late 18th century, I think about a lot. I think a lot of Americans probably think about the American Revolution. Um, French Revolution is certainly interesting. You think about that, for me, when you think about kind of class warfare and frictions between classes, which will actually probably come up in what we're talking about today, because Rupert Murdoch says something about elites that I, I do think of like French Revolution or revolutionary tendencies when we think about those topics. Elena says, if you ask Rob about the Roman Empire, he will hate you for asking. I don't know. I I, I don't know whether Rob thinks about the Roman Empire, but I, I don't know that he'd hate me for asking. But but if you had to rank them, what would that look like? Again, I think the, my favorites to think about is kind of the Peloponnesian War era. Sparta versus Athens with Persia sitting in the sidelines. Like, I, I really like thinking about those aspects. So those would be my top ones to think about. But after that, probably Rome, then Egypt, in terms of what I enjoy thinking about, but not a ranking in terms of what they did or their empire size or anything like that. Marvin says, that's wonderful. Your daughter will make a great DM one day for her murder mystery party. Yeah. I think that's part of what she wants to do, right? She's been practicing writing stories and campaigns and things like that. And this murder mystery was kind of a variation of that. Didn't use a a, a tabletop role-playing rule set, but very much in that vein. And you can tell how far behind I am because... You all are fantastic at chatting and commenting, and thank you so much for supporting this channel and these shows. I really appreciate it. It, it makes my day to be able to have these conversations with you all. MZ, diagramming English. Yep, partitioning, it's not to help those who also want to visualize the patterns related to sounds flowing, natural stream of speech. I, I love diagramming English sentences. I, I've diagrammed sentences since I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade. And while I hated it at the time, like so many things in life that you hate at the time, it's proved to be very helpful in the long run. So I'm very glad that my teachers, my parents made me do it. But I certainly understand when my kids say, oh, no, I don't want to diagram any sentences. It's like, I get that. I get that. But it really does help you understand how things are communicated and makes you a better reader, better English speaker, I think. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I like to diagram sentences. I still will do it from time to time. If I see a sentence that seems particularly weird, I'll do it in my head where it's like, okay, that's the prepositional phrase. That's the subject. That's the object. What are you trying to do here with this sentence? And if you can do that in your head, if you can think about sentences that way, I think you can understand better what people are trying to get at when they're trying to communicate with you. All right, folks, I really appreciate that hangout and those chats. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about Rupert Murdoch everybody's favorite person. Apparently he's stepping down. You might've heard this from things like the thumbnail to this video. Fox founder Rupert Murdoch steps down from his media empire, handing it to his son, says NPR. And we're gonna look at a number of these stories because one of the things I wanna focus on is how they're describing Mr. Murdoch. If you don't know, he is or was the chair of News Corp and Fox uh, corporation. So the, the entertainment side of Fox, what you think of as movies and things that mostly got sold to Disney a few years ago and News Corp, which is the newspapers and book publishers 
that he had that we put news out on. And these stories take a number of different approaches to describing what happened yesterday in a kind of surprise announcement. Uh, and I think it's interesting to, to look at how these are headlined and how these stories are told. The NPR one is our baseline because it's the one that goes most kind of completely into the history of what this is and what's happened. But we have a number of other interesting references that we'll talk about as part of this video. So here's NPR, Rupert Murdoch, the media magnate who built an unmatched global media empire over seven decades from a, from a single newspaper he inherited in his native Australia, announced on Thursday that he would step down. And you can see I've highlighted a couple of things here. All of these articles have to start with explaining to you who Rupert Murdoch is. NPR used a kind of neutral term, media magnate, and then a positive term insofar as explaining why this person is worthy of news significance, an unmatched global media empire, uh, and then frames it as coming from a, a, a kind of bootstrap pulling operation from a single newspaper he inherited. Now, technically speaking, inheritance is a potentially kind of loaded term, right? He didn't, he didn't buy this on his own. He didn't otherwise come directly from nothing, but building News Corp from a single newspaper is still an impressive feat. And this is overall a fairly positive spin on Rupert Murdoch at the top of NPR. Then you get some quotes from him. I've been engaged daily with news and ideas, and that will not change with NPR and Rupert Murdoch explaining that he's going to stay as some kind of presence in the Fox ecosystem. The time is right for me to take on different roles, though, he says. Murdoch's career has been marked by a singular drive for business success, an eagerness to have sway over elections and policies, and the repeated eruption of scandals, as described by NPR here, which, as you can kind of see from the highlights, starts with a positive, goes into kind of a mixed, right? Because an eagerness to have sway over elections and policies, I can't speak for you, but it's something that I have a certain negative reaction to, right? You don't want people to have sway over things in general. That's a kind of negative notion. And certainly when you start talking about democratic ideals like elections and policies, it gives you a little bit of wariness, but it's not necessarily negative. It's not, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have sway over those things. It's kind of the presence of having sway over them that's a problem. So that's kind of mixed. And then the repeated eruption of scandals. So the way this sentence is constructed goes kind of down the line, positive, mixed, negative. Fox News, which he founded in 1996, has played an increasingly prominent role in, and then it follows the same thing as before, profits, influence, and crises. In his note to staff, Murdoch, 92, so not a spring chicken, part of this is something that had to happen soonish anyway, took a shot at unnamed elites, saying they have open contempt for those who are not members of their rarefied class and said most of the rest of the media was in cahoots with those elites. Now, these quotes are kind of picked out of what is clearly a longer kind of, kind of discussion point in this memo or note to staff. And so we'll have to wait a couple articles to see this in more context, but they're not wrong in what this says. It's clear that they want to establish that that Murdoch has certain feelings about media, right? And you might have them if you're a reader of NPR. You might have them if you're a reader of Fox. His elder son, Lachlan Murdoch, who has been leading the companies with him, will become the sole chairman of both Fox Corp and News Corp. So you got Fox Corp. That's the broadcast arm. That's, that's Fox Television, Fox News. News Corp is those newspapers and books. Rupert Murdoch will become chairman emeritus. And this is just one short sentence at the bottom of a paragraph, but it means he will be staying on with the company. Now, if you aren't familiar with chairmanships, board of directors, shareholders, companies, I don't blame you. But what this is saying is before this announcement, or really before November, which we'll see in a second, 
Rupert Murdoch was the head of the board. He was in charge of the company's overall kind of direction and in charge of hiring management. Now, that doesn't mean he has extra power, but it does mean he controls kind of the board agenda, how meetings go. If you've ever been in a meeting that has a chair, then you know that that is an important role that can really end discussion, continue discussion, decide what things are going to be discussed at all. And he's stepping down from that role. This chairman emeritus title is really retired chairman, which means he'll still have some kind of contributory role with the company, but it won't be having the actual legal authority to control those board meetings or to probably have a vote on the board. It's unclear because chairman emeritus is not something that's a defined status. Really chairmanship, chairpersonship, CEO, none of these are defined in the law. You get to define them in your own governance documents at the company. So what this looks like in the future is kind of an open question. Will Rupert Murdoch still have some finger on the scale? Certainly. But will he have total control? Probably not. The changes will take effect in November when the two companies together worth about $26.5 billion have their shareholder meetings. While they are publicly traded, Murdoch is considered to control more than 40% of their voting shares. Bloomberg estimates his fortune at more than $8.2 billion. So they've kind of given you the lay of the land, right? This is what's happening right now. And now they're going to talk about Rupert Murdoch as a person. He ultimately dominated journalism and politics in Australia, the UK, and the US. Outside the US, he leveraged his outlets to support politicians from the center left to the far right. In this country, his sway is almost entirely limited to the Republican Party. So we're talking now about that middle section, right? Sway over elections, sway over politics. Though Murdoch built his fortune initially on populist tabloids, he bought prestige newspapers such as the Journal and the Times of London to reach elites who forged policy and set consensus. He also created the Australian in 1964, that country's only national daily. That high-low approach and his willingness to boost favored politicians gave him an entry to top leaders in Australia and the UK. Those seeking office would fly thousands of miles to court him. He did not have the same level of access in the US, except when former President Donald Trump who Murdoch privately disparaged, was in office. Over the decades, Murdoch courted controversy with salacious coverage in his tabloids, appealing to readers' fears of crime and immigration and aerobic appetite for sex scandals. Yet the bare-knuckled approach often led to periodic scandals in his own properties. Now, this is an interesting description here, right? So fears of crime and immigration certainly put you in one specific place. And appetite for sex scandals is not anything that I think anybody would dispute. Certainly, when I say I follow Vox and Fox to, to look at these kind of stories, and we'll cover both of those as part of this description of events from yesterday, I do note that Fox tends to have storytelling and news reporting that is a little bit more tabloid-based, right? It tends to be a little bit more salaciously oriented or simplified. Scandal after scandal, says NPR, Murdoch's son tabloid relied on anonymous police sources to blame soccer hooligans for a deadly stampede after a stadium collapse. In fact, the police's own poor disaster response was found to be responsible. News Corp later paid hundreds of millions of dollars after it came to light that people acting on its behalf had hacked into the mobile phones, voicemails, and emails of people like the Royals. The Murdochs closed down one of its tabloids, News of the World, and abandoned hope of taking full control of Sky, a major British satellite television outfit, in which it held a significant stake. Now, that's kind of a non-sequitur. This paragraph is kind of weirdly edited. In the U.S., Fox News paid nine figures to resolve a growing wave of sexual harassment accusations against then-Fox News chairman and CEO Roger Ailes, among others. In fact, they did, 
But that's a kind of interesting poll here because Fox News is certainly not the only ones that had trouble with Me Too sexual harassment accusations in media, right? And so Fox has a lot of things that you can rightly kind of call it on, but maybe not specifically that one as pulled out from others like, well, I think every network had people that they polled, including like folks like PBS. It later paid millions of dollars to the family of a slain Democratic National Committee staffer whom it basically claimed had leaked thousands of party emails that had actually been hacked during the 2016 campaign by the Russian government. Yet nothing matched the debacle after the 2020 presidential election. So you can see they start out with kind of the news item. He's stepping down and then it becomes an almost opinion criticism of Rupert Murdoch's role in Fox News and what Fox News did. And you can expect to see this again and again as we look at some of these stories. Murdoch's role in allowing Fox News stars to embrace discredited claims of fraud in that race came into sharp view during a defamation suit filed against the network and Fox Corp. The company settled for $787.5 million this spring, just before opening arguments in the trial were to begin. Dominion Voting Systems, the plaintiff, planned to make Murdoch one of the first witnesses to testify before the jury. And this was a big freaking deal. And I do think that this is probably part of what led Mr. Murdoch to stepping down this past this past week. This this if you didn't follow any of this story, and I, I think I was down for the count while this was happening kind of in the news. Um, this was Fox Corp and their emails and internal documentation suggesting that they were deliberately lying about certain aspects of what they were saying about the Dominion voting systems equipment for recording votes in the 2020 election. And they settled right before the case was to go to trial because it was going to look bad for Fox. Despite Murdoch's contempt for Trump, Fox amplified his baseless claims of having been cheated out of victory. Documents from that legal case show network leaders were desperate to win back viewers angry that Fox News journalists had projected Trump would lose Arizona on election night. Once Murdoch dies, the fate of his family's trust will be determined by Lachlan and three of his siblings. James has signaled his desire to take over the companies and chart a different course, publicly condemning the family's outlets for their coverage of the 2020 elections and climate change. The intentions of their sisters, Elizabeth and Prudence, whether to choose between the brothers, seek the hiring of a new chief executive, or force a sale of many or all of their remaining holdings are not clear. And indeed, that, that will be a moment in time when Rupert Murdoch dies and the trust is held by the kids, which is, in fact, the subject of a very popular television show we'll talk about in just a second. The article here from NPR then finishes with another quote from Rupert Murdoch and his memo to his staff. I can guarantee you that I will be involved every day in the contest of ideas. I will be watching our broadcasts with a critical eye, reading our newspapers and websites and books with much interest and reaching out to you with thoughts, ideas, and advice. So NPR finishes with probably one of the most important things for its readership to know, which is that Rupert Murdoch might be stepping down from the chairmanship, but he's told his staff he intends to be still a part of what they decide to publish, what they decide to broadcast and be on these email chains and whatever else might be happening in the actual operational day-to-day -day of the companies. Just because you're not chairman doesn't mean you don't have a voice. And certainly as the one that started the company, you would expect him to have an outsized influence on things in the future. So for those that are celebrating that Fox News or whatever are going to change immediately, I would suggest that is unlikely to be the case as NPR suggests here, right? You finish off with this in the article because you want folks to know that while this is important and it is, it's not likely to change the, the, the worldview of the media in any kind of quick 
order, but it is still important. Now, the Associated Press has a slightly different take if they load up here. Rupert Murdoch's surprise exit from Fox leaves son Lachlan in line of succession at Media Empire. Now, in a number of these articles, you will see the word succession. In fact, in this video, you will see the word succession. And part of that is SEO. Let's just be honest about this. Right? So, <clears throat> Succession was a very, very popular HBO show that won a number of Emmys, won a lot of critical acclaim, and was about Brian Cox here playing Logan Roy and running a media empire that included a news outlet that had an outsized influence on United States politics, particularly on the Republican or conservative side. So if that sounds familiar, that's because it was basically framed around the Murdoch family. And these are the kids, for the most part, in the background. And this is the Rupert Murdoch figure, Logan Roy, Logan Roy in the front. And this entire show is basically about a dysfunctional family fighting over what will be the scraps of the company that Mr. Roy left. So you'll see this phrase as in the AP article here, succession, a lot. And you'll see references to the HBO show a lot as well. I do recommend it. It's a very good show, although it has a little problem playing fast and loose with business law topics. I've actually considered in the past doing short form video walkthroughs of the various things that they discuss in those episodes, like a bear hug or emerges and acquisitions in general, how the board meetings work, various functions of secretaries and conflicts of interest at the board level. If any of that sounds interesting, let me know in the comments or let me know in the chat. It has been something that I've kind of floated around in my head for a while because Succession deals with a lot of these things often poorly, unfortunately. But before we get into that and go down a completely different road, let's go back to the story. So as I said, they all have to start their first opening bit describing who Rupert Murdoch is. And, and AP says he's a magnate. Magnate Rupert Murdoch's surprise announcement Thursday that he's stepping down as leader of his two companies leaves his son Lachlan firmly in line of succession at Fox and the rest of the media empire. So they got the word succession in the sentence and the headline. So they're doing their job. Lachlan will become News Corp's chairman and continue as chief executive officer of Fox Corp. So he's going to take on the chairmanship of News Corp, but ultimately the management isn't likely to change. Associated Press then says Fox News Channel has profoundly influenced television and national politics since its start in 1996 making Murdoch a hero to some and a pariah to others. <coughs> Excuse me. And yes, I think that's right. Hero to some and pariah to others. I was actually surprised by the level of passion that folks had expressed to me in messaging, either through Twitter or elsewise, when they saw that I was going to cover this story here in Hangouts and Headlines. Because to me, this was kind of a step back from dealing directly with politicians, right? As we look at the various things that we've covered in Hangouts and Headlines the past few weeks. But I don't think other people think that way. This is one of the more passionate stories I've seen people discussing. Then the Associated Press continues, much like the NPR did, it's been a rough year for Fox, which was forced to pay that settlement for a defamation lawsuit to Dominion. Fox also fired its most popular personality, Tucker Carlson. Stock in Fox Corp, while positive this year, began to decline early in 2022, due in part to lawsuits and investor anxiety. Now, this is an interesting way to frame this story, right? Stock in Fox Corp, while positive this year, while it's actually up this year, began to decline at the at the start of last year, due in part to lawsuits and investor anxiety, as well as the economy. So this is this is doing some work to kind of 
try to backstop their storytelling in a way that, if you read it, isn't that convincing. Besides Fox News, Rupert Murdoch started the Fox Broadcast Network, the first to successfully challenge the big three of ABC, CBS, and NBC with shows like The Simpsons. That's kind of a zig when you expect them to zag, right? We're not going to focus on the news stuff. We're going to talk about The Simpsons. Okay. He owns the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. He slimmed his corporate holdings with the 2019 sale of many entertainment assets to the Walt Disney Company, almost all of them. Murdoch has also controlled the New York Post, which, like Fox, has promoted his conservative worldview. Despite Murdoch's advanced age, Thursday's announcement took some by surprise. Now, here the Associated Press is going to take a different tack than some others. They are going to basically quote authors that have written about Murdoch and Fox. So here, I do find it shocking because I figured that Rupert would be around until he couldn't take a breath, said writer Claire Atkinson, who's working on a biography of Murdoch. In a letter Thursday to staff, we, we looked at those quotes. He indicated his retirement wouldn't include much beach time, as the AP says. I can guarantee you that I will be involved every day in the contest of ideas. We looked at that quote as well. Murdoch and his family, particularly children James, Lachlan, Elizabeth, and Prudence, were said to be the model for the HBO drama Succession. Now, said to be is interesting here. I will tell you, if you've watched a minute of Succession, you know that it is 100% designed around the concept of the Murdoch family trust and the Fox News impact on politics and media in general, right? Succession doesn't even try to hide that really. And so it's it's interesting to say we're said to be, that's safe. That's like the lawyer saying alleged kind of in this context, but it is 100% the case that Succession is based on the Murdoch family. Rupert is certainly engineering a cleaner exit than Logan Roy's departure from Waystar Royco, and he's leaving behind a lot less of a mess. Spoiler alert, it's pretty messy, Succession. That may be the case for now, said Murdoch biographer Michael Wolf, who next week is publishing a book, The End of Fox News. He is 92, and that has taken a toll on him, of course, but the company too. Major changes are unlikely right away under Lachlan Murdoch, who's largely been running things as CEO for a couple of years. When Murdoch dies, control of the Fox empire will revert to his four adult children, each of whom has an equal say in the business, Wolf said. Now, the AP doesn't do a great job of explaining why that might be here, but the answer is that the trust holds a specific class of stock that maintains control over the company, even when it's publicly traded and they don't have a majority ownership of the overall stock in the company. And so the, the kids will have control over the company that they wouldn't necessarily have just based on the percentage of ownership that they have. Since Lachlan most closely shares his father's politically conservative views, Wolf predicted that James Murdoch, known as the more liberal sibling, would eventually take control of Fox News or that it would be sold. Now, this sentence makes absolutely no sense without the history here. Since Lachlan most closely shares his father's politically conservative views, Wolf predicted that a different sibling, the more liberal sibling, would take control of Fox News or that it would be sold. Now, that's just not a since kind of sentence, right? And what they're trying to say is James Murdoch has been involved with the Murdoch family perhaps more than his other siblings and had a separation from the Murdoch clan, as it were, and is more likely to be interested in taking control of the assets. But that's not a since kind of notion as compared to Lachlan. It will certainly not exist as the Fox News channel that we have known and loved or hated for the past 25 years, Wolf said, after the death, but not right now. Atkins said, remember the other author working on a biography, said that she has talked with people at the company and they're saying Murdoch is fine and as engaged as ever. Thursday's announcement, she said, is really just Lachlan taking the mantle and saying, now it's time. It's his company, his company only. Among those who believe Fox has pushed disinformation and is a singular force in worsening the country's partisan divisions, the reaction to the announcement was, essentially, good riddance. 
Look at that sentence, folks. And you might believe with this entirely. I'm not the biggest fan of Fox. I'll just sit here and tell you that, honestly. But among those who believe is doing a lot of heavy lifting for allowing a sentence like Fox has pushed disinformation and is a singular force in worsening the country's partisan divisions, right? You can frame this in a much less incendiary way and still get across, hey, for those that hate Fox, they were, they were cool with it. But you're getting a lot of opinion making and editorialization in just this kind of parenthetical description of what we're talking about here. <clears throat> then the quote that you use to backstop that is from a competitor to Fox. They changed how people think of politics in this country, and I think when historians look back on how they changed it, it won't be a positive look back. Commenter Mike Barnacle said on MSNBC, while Murdoch never ran for political office, politicians in the United States and Britain were anxiously sought his approval. He had a complicated relationship with Donald Trump, who he called an idiot, adding an expletive for emphasis, but Fox News is built with an audience that largely admires Trump. His clout has waned since the revelation more than a decade ago that employees of the News of the World had eavesdropped on phones and used other underhanded methods to get scoops on celebrities, politicians, and royals. Fox News went through a series of sexual harassment scandals in the 2010s, which led to top executive Roger Ailes and primetime personality Bill O'Reilly being pushed out. So we see that reference again. And so the AP takes a similar tack to NPR, but uses less kind of neutral language and more incendiary language, also with emphasis from quotes from either adjacent figures, competitors to Fox, or authors of exposés and tell-all books about Fox and the Murdoch family. So it's making specific choices about what information to tell you. Then we have CNN, obviously a noted competitor to Fox News. Rupert Murdoch steps down as Fox and News Corp chairman, sending shockwaves through media and politics. Now that's editorialization, but certainly emphasizing the importance of the move. Now, in terms of description, CNN says Rupert Murdoch, the powerful right-wing media mogul who built and oversaw one of the world's most influential news empires, announced Thursday that he will step down as chairman of his companies. So powerful right-wing media mogul is telling you how to feel about Rupert Murdoch because mogul isn't, isn't a very pleasant word for thinking about someone in the news media. Right wing isn't a very pleasant thought, certainly for CNN readers or, or viewers, but just in general, you don't want to be on the extremes of any kind of political notion. So powerful right wing media mogul is quite the negative connotative description of an individual. Murdoch has for decades commanded considerable influence in the Republican Party, matched by only a select few. His retirement comes at a key moment in the media industry as entrenched entertainment giants confront a sweeping transformation of the traditional television and film business and consumers rapidly gravitate towards streaming services maybe back away again from them once they increase their prices. We'll see. This, is, this paragraph actually, even though it's kind of a few deep and not what most of these articles focus on, is probably one of the more important that I think that we see in covering this story, which is that industries change, industries evolve, industries shift. And however old you are, at some point as a manager or a chairman, you get to a point where you're just not ready or willing to do the next shift. You know that there needs to be another revolution. There needs to be another strategic realignment for whatever your company is doing. And you're just not up for it. I've seen this from CEO retirements at a much younger age than Mr. Murdoch here. But that to me seems to speak to one of the more reasonable takes on why you would step aside right now. You've got the Dominion lawsuit, which is a big egg on your face. You've got various other things, but you most importantly have the entire business of news media and delivering content into people's homes changing at a business level, a fundamental business level that maybe you're just not willing to spend the time and homework to go figure out 
what your proper move should be. That happens all the time. Murdoch's decision to step down as chairman of his companies will also send shockwaves through the political world. Just as the 2024 presidential race heats up, God help us. It's right. It's true. The, the presidential race next November is in fact heating up right now, but I wish it weren't. Fox News remains ensnared in litigation stemming from the network's peddling of former President Donald Trump's election lies in the wake of the 2020 election. You'll note that none of these articles have any problem kind of uh, saying very specifically that the 2020 discussion are lies or baseless or various other terms that help you feel certain ways about that. And I won't even go into that further because YouTube's likely to get angry at me even discussing the topic. My, further, my father firmly believed in freedom and Lachlan is absolutely committed to the cause. Sorry, folks. Self-serving bureaucracies are seeking to silence those who would question their providence and purpose. Elites have open contempt for those who are not members of their rarefied class. Most of the media is in cahoots with those elites, peddling political narratives rather than pursuing the truth. Now, I'm less inclined to just say it's elites versus commoners and things like that. And it's interesting to have Rupert Murdoch, who's, of course, worth billions of dollars, kind of discuss the difference in class status here. But... <clears throat> obviously a show like Hangouts and Headlines exists because there is clearly a lot of putting the finger on the scales done by the media for various things, starting with, in this space, Depp be heard, but continuing through all sorts of more important things like politics and national policy. Rupert Murdoch then assured staffers he's in robust health. He will be involved every day in the contest of ideas, as we saw before. And then we see CNN go into... Rupert Murdoch's career. So first I wanted to give credit to them for putting the quote here about elites <coughs> with more context than the other places that we have seen. But like the rest, they do find it more important to discuss the history of Fox, the history of the sun and the Australian and various other things that Murdoch has done. What's interesting to me about this is that it almost comes across like an obituary. Right? A lot of these articles are what you might read when you're discussing somebody having died. And he's just stepping down from the chairmanship here. He's not dead. And so that's an interesting part of the CNN story as well. And then, as I said, I do follow Fox and Fox to discuss these various things. So we'll start with Vox. Why is Rupert Murdoch leaving his empire now? I just talked about that, but Fox has some thoughts. Rupert Murdoch spent a lifetime building one of the world's most important media empires. Now at age 92, he says he's no longer going to run it day to day. And that's a very neutral opening line from Vox. So I do prefer that neutrality. Different strokes for different folks on which intro you prefer here to describing Rupert Murdoch. But Vox is very neutral with that sentence. Who's going to run the media empire? Lachlan was already CEO of Fox Corporation and he'll become the sole chair of News Corp. Okay, but who's really going to run it? That's a good question. Fox and News Corp are public companies, but the Murdoch family controls them via ownership of a special class of shares, and Rupert Murdoch still controls the trust that controls those shares. So at the moment, nothing structural is going to happen at either company without his assent. So th that's a complicated sentence and thought, but yes, nothing is going to change without him agreeing to it. That doesn't mean nothing is going to change. This is a signal that he's stepping down from the chairmanship. So things are more likely to change than they were before yesterday, but they can't change without his approval, which means that things aren't going to get wildly weird at his companies because he's still going to have to agree to anything that changes. It's also worth noting, says Vox, 
that there's a scenario that gets floated periodically in which Lachlan's brother, James, who used to help manage the family business, but split from it a few years ago, rests control of it following his father's death, right? This is why succession is super popular. All these kinds of things happen in that HBO show. Why is Murdoch stepping down now? We can't stress this enough. He's 92. He was going to have to leave the company sooner or later. But in a memo to his employees, he says he's in robust health. Murdoch's future and the future of his empire once he leaves have been the object of media speculation for years and not just on prestige TV. This week, for example, author Michael Wolf published The Fall, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Dynasty, which covers infighting within the Murdoch empire and begins with a mock obituary for Murdoch. How will things change at Murdoch's company if he's not on their boards? Murdoch was famously hands-on with many of his news properties. Fox News was a slightly different case. For a long time, it was run as a fiefdom by executive Roger Ailes, though Murdoch certainly had views about the channel's coverage and enjoyed the power it gave him in Republican politics. There's also an alternate view of Murdoch's recent involvement at the company, which is that he hasn't been that involved. There's a leadership void, said professional Murdoch watcher Brian Stetler. Now that, that can't be, Vox. First of all, I want to give you credit for a lot of this article because I think you're filling in blanks that some of the other articles are not and you're doing it well. But Brian Stetler, most recently of CNN, cannot be a professional Murdoch watcher. You're not getting paid solely to watch Murdoch. Stetler notes that during the discovery for the Fox Dominion defamation case, emails and depositions paint Murdoch as more of a bystander to the goings on at Fox News. That's a real change from the Murdoch of old. So I think Vox is doing its level best here to be as neutral as possible and give answers to questions that people might have without kind of descending into some of the more obituary editorializing and scandal discussion that the others have done. Let's see the other tact. So here's Fox News, who you would expect to take a fairly genteel approach, and they do. Rupert Murdoch announces transition to new role of chairman emeritus of Fox Corporation and News Corp. So first and foremost, in the headline itself, you can see that they're emphasizing his remaining role with the company rather than his leaving, right? When you look at NPR, it's he's leaving, he's handing it to his son. Same with AP, who uses the word succession, of course. And in Fox News's case, they say, oh no, he's going to be chairman emeritus. It's going to be important. He's going to still be a function here because we're reporting on this. That's important to our bottom line as well as what you might be interested in. And we're going to be very nice about this. He is a media mogul to Fox, which again, still think is a, a slightly negative take, but what they actually describe is more positive. He's transitioning from his roles as chair, he announced on Thursday. Then you get a lot of quotes from his, th from his, from his note to the staff. Whether the truck drivers distributing our papers, the cleaners who toil when we have left the office, the assistants who support us, or the skilled operators behind the cameras or the computer code, we would be less successful and have less positive impact on society without your day-to-day -day dedication. So Fox takes the time to put more of the more of the positive gloss on the note that Mr. Murdoch put out. The others that we saw report on this weren't so interested in this kind of stuff. I don't blame them. It's not really that important. But you can see Fox taking a more positive spin, as you would expect. Murdoch went on to say the battle over freedom of speech and freedom of thought had never been more intense. And he said his family remained firmly committed to that cause. So Fox takes this positive approach. And then going even further than Fox, which you might not think is possible, but remember, Rupert Murdoch owns a lot of stuff. The Sun says Rupert Murdoch has two key characteristics which make him the most phenomenal newsman of the modern age. So a lot of the times when we cover things in Hangouts and Headlines, 
We have to parse things out and I have to talk a little bit about what I see as positive and negative characteristics and how things are editorialized or hyperbole. I don't think anybody needs help to see how this is the most hyperbolic headline that we've probably read in this space. He's the most phenomenal newsman of the modern age. Okay. All right. So why? Rupert Murdoch has two key characteristics which make him far and away the most phenomenal newspaper man of the modern age. The first is his upbringing in classless Australia. They don't mean lacking in refinement. They mean that it doesn't have class demarkers or lines between class systems. More even than America, says this author, anyone from any background can aspire to the highest pinnacles of success. So he's from Australia. The second is his rare talent to spot an opportunity and the courage to stake everything on its success. It is the gambler in Rupert Murdoch, coupled with a fabled talent to see around corners, which propelled him from running a small town newspaper to transforming the way the world reads, hears, and sees the news. It's a pretty, pretty broad description, but probably not wrong. It is wrong. It is what drove the success of this newspaper, the Super Soraway Sun, as the biggest selling English language newspaper. And it is the fuel that provided liftoff against the odds for Sky TV to revolutionize news and sports coverage and turn Premier League football, soccer, to my American friends, into a multi-billion pound financial giant. As the Sun's political editor and columnist for 40 years, and so we see a little bit behind the curtain, I've enjoyed knowing the man we call the boss, both at leisure and under pressure, as chief of the world's greatest media empire. I watched him turn the super sore away Sun into essential breakfast reading for millions of dedicated readers. I've seen him prove time and again that democracy and free speech only flourish under a free, vigorous, and sometimes controversial press. What's interesting here is you'll also see in other articles that you read. I'm not reading all of the articles that I looked at before this, and there are plenty discussing that whether or not this is good or bad for democracy and free speech is going to depend in large part on where you're reading the story. I think probably every instance of this is a little bit too hyperbolic. Rupert Murdoch stepping down from the chairmanship of two companies that he doesn't really run day to day right now is probably not the biggest deal in the world. But overall, it's interesting to see democracy, freedom of speech, these various things used as positives, but in very different ways in these articles. His newspapers, including the Times and Sunday Times, are more recently America's Wall Street Journal, have challenged establishment figures who once expected an easy ride. Yes, that's, that's what the Wall Street Journal is known for. In any event, that's the way this is all being covered right now. I wanted to discuss it with you because I thought it was fascinating. And obviously, it's a big news item that I wanted to discuss. But is it as important as NPR and the AP suggest? Probably not. I think my favorite of these articles is actually the Vox article because I think it's the most informational of the things that I, I looked at for, for this. I, I can't recommend the Sun editorial, obviously, because, well, it's just a little much for me. But... What do you all think? Which one do you like the best? What approach do you like the best? How do you feel about Rupert Murdoch? How do you feel about Fox News? I'm happy to have all those discussions. Remembering, of course, that reasonable minds can differ. We don't do ad hominem attacks either to me or to other people in the chat. But I'm happy to have any discussion that you all want to have in the second half of Hangouts here after we discuss the main news item. So Sparktabulous says, I am right. I don't know what I'm right about. I just like to hear it. But thank you, Sparktabulous. Thank you so much. Schmini D says they have actively participated in and created a class war in Australia. I can't speak to the class situation in Australia outside of my viewings of Bluey. So I can't speak to that. But uh, Schmini D, I, I will take it under advisement. And certainly here in America, a lot of folks blame Fox News for exacerbating class 
and political division and kind of polarizing the country a little bit. Hornline Overtone says Fox's greatest sin has been their taking political opinion and disguising it as news. I do think if you look at the chirons of a Fox News broadcast, a lot of them tend to be very editorial in nature, right? That's something I flag here with respect to newspaper articles and things. Um, but if you look at their actual broadcast, and I, I, I say the same about MSNBC, I'd say the same about Newsmax, right? But I think Fox kind of started off this tabloid editorialized news description that I think is not great for understanding, right? As someone that sits here and talks about media and talks about criticizing the way that they portray news, I do think Fox has a tendency to dive deep into that simplification that doesn't do people very well in the long run. Googleman asks, I wonder what Lachlan's relationship to Donald, presumably Trump, is like. I don't know. I can't speak to any of these things. Honestly, I think the media probably can't speak to much of them. Rupert Murdoch is on file, essentially, saying things about Donald Trump. But I don't know that even Donald Trump's biggest defenders don't say certain things about him because he's so kind of a wild card in what he does in policy or otherwise. And I don't think anybody could possibly agree with him all the time. Carolyn asks, is it a family member that's taking over? Yes, Lachlan Murdoch. We have various people in the chat discussing the various utilitary uses of the newspapers that News Corp has created, including, I think that there's some toilet paper references there, but we'll see. Darren says they own 70% of print media in Australia, including every regional paper. Yeah, I, and I don't think that's good for anybody either. At either direction, I don't think it's good to have one kind of mind controlling that much informational discourse. But I can't, I can't speak to what Australian newspaper reading is like, unfortunately. I'm sorry about that. Clansom says the readership of The Sun has made it very influential and its politics have shifted from right to left to right again. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's probably missing from some of the editorializing that I read and some of the descriptions that you saw was that my understanding is that especially outside the United States, there is a tendency for the Rupert Murdoch empire to be more populist in nature and to go after where they think they're going to get the most, what we would describe as clicks here in the modern age, but sell the most papers sell the most ads on the TV show, get the most clicks, whatever that is. And while I don't think that that's terribly useful overall to like an educated society, I don't know that that's specifically kind of political influence peddling as much as some of the places that we were reading today suggest. Shireen says, self-serving for him to use his own newspaper to say how great he is. Well, I mean, I don't think that he implanted a chip in that author's brain or anything. I think he probably legitimately believes that. But certainly, I worked with you for 40 years. I've had this job that you've signed the checks for for 40 years. And you're like the most influential person in the history of the world is perhaps a bit much. Kelly says, as a Democrat, I don't really watch Fox, but I don't fault others for watching it. I also don't really watch CNN either. I prefer reading articles just to get facts and decide on my own. Yeah, I mean, I think... The 24-7 news cycle is something that we could discuss probably in a more considered video format and whether or not it's been useful overall. I would argue that it probably hasn't, but I think that Fox has contributed to some of that, and I think CNN and MSNBC and others on various sides have contributed to that as well. So 
I don't want to separate just on political lines there. And I agree with you that maybe it's a little bit better to read sometimes rather than watch TV shows about it. Cass says, isn't the son the paper that Johnny Depp sued in the UK? I think so, but I haven't thought about that in a while. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. Editor Danielle Marie says, great breakdowns of the articles as always. I guess people on side of the aisle want to mark the moment for different reasons. Yeah, a little bit. And I, again, I, I could have pulled another 50 articles, but those were the ones that I thought were the most interesting that we could talk about the various ways in which people were covering this. So yeah, this, this is all over the place. If you type in Murdoch in your search engine, whichever your preferred one is, you'll see a bunch of articles. Allison says, I fear that I am biased and only ever think of the Murdochs as bad people. Too many media scandals and mistreatment here in the UK. They could be terrible people. I don't pretend to know them, but I think it's an interesting moment in time to take stepping down from the chairmanship, which isn't the, the hugest deal in the world, and do these kinds of obituary pieces that discuss scandals and things and, and the way the empire has been run, etc. Sparktabulish, lol, sure thing, Hogue, smiley face emoji. You are right with your summary of different vantage points on the articles. One's point of view is based on which outlet one subscribes to. It can be. I like to do a lot of reading in different places, but yeah, it, it certainly can be. And that's what you worry about is bubbles, right? You worry that somebody just trusts one specific outlet or one specific author even, and this is what they get. I mean, if you just read uh, The Sun or, or just read this author about Rupert Murdoch, you'd have a very specific way that you view the world, right? The most phenomenal newsman of the modern age just retired, essentially. Christy Fletcher says, every time I think of a media mogul, I can only picture Jonathan Price's character, Elliot Carver, from the Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Jonathan Price is good in that. Um, if you haven't seen that particular one, that, in that involves a media mogul, a, a CEO, creating a war in order to be able to cover it and sell more papers. Rock Blues and Barbecue says, I'm very curious if Lachlan's business sense will come close to Rupert's. I have no doubt he will offer some sort of counsel to Lachlan, officially or unofficially. Absolutely. Not only is he the former chair, he's dad. So that will 100% happen. This is why it's such an interesting story for folks. It's why succession exists, is that you don't usually have these media empires that are still controlled by a family. So that, that will undoubtedly happen. And I would say there's almost no chance that lightning strikes twice and you have the exact same business acumen in the son that you do in the father. That's just not how it works usually. So there will be some differences of opinion and some decisions that the newly led Fox Corp, News Corp will make that maybe wouldn't have been made with Rupert running the show. So that will happen, but I don't think it will be this wild change that you'll see Fox News just suddenly taking a completely different approach to telling the news. Tony Powers, it's so weird that his name is pronounced the same as a certain disgraced South Carolina lawyer, really throwing me off. I think mostly that's me. Like I, I had been following the Murdoch stuff so much that I have to remind myself to say Murdoch uh, when we're talking about this. So if I, if I slipped a couple of times, that's just because my brain has Murdoch in it too often. Um, so yeah, it's, it, he does a harder Murdoch um, for, for the News Corp founder. Googleman says, sounds Scottish. I think Lachlan is Scottish, but I don't know. Locks are Scottish, right? Carolyn says, I wonder if he's been training his son for a while, because if so, I don't think much would change. Yes, he's been the CEO 
for a while and he's been on the board for a while. So yes, he's been under tutelage and watching how things go for a while. Definitely. I don't expect much to change immediately. Coparistic says he was upfront with his biases. I don't mind it. Certainly, I think there's a value to be had in just saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to take things from this direction and that's just what we're going to do. Um, the reason I say I follow Vox and Fox is because I think both of those sources are pretty upfront about what direction they want to approach questions from. And while I think that that sometimes compromises what they're actually saying, you can generally triangulate where you think the truth is and what's being reported to you from taking multiple different sources like that. And so I would prefer that than the folks that claim neutrality and really aren't all that neutral, certainly. Rusty Robot says, does that mean I can turn off by Rupert now? Great to see you, Rick. I don't know what by Rupert is, but yeah, probably. Murdoch is a Scottish surname. The Alec guy, his name is a weird spelling of the name. Murdoch, yeah. Emily says, I can't watch Fox News. I've tried, but I feel like they do too much fear-mongering. I do watch MSNBC, but I try to be cognizant that they have their own biases. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be honest here. I don't watch Fox News either. I, it's never been something that I really liked as an approach. It's it's far too, I'm going to say tabloidy. If you love Fox News, I apologize for that. But it's it's really that kind of shortening, that simplification of complicated news items trumpets, horns, graphics, and things that I think is kind of reductive to understanding what's actually happening in the world around us that I don't like. But I would I would describe that same situation to things like MSNBC. So it's it's not a unique political thing to me. It's really more of the 24-7 news channels. Mary M., thank you, Hogue. Thank you, Mary, for being here. The barrage of constant breaking news. Politics sounds so much better from you than the talking heads all rooting for more clicks. Well, I appreciate that. I don't know... I, I, I don't know how well I do with this, but I certainly try. Rock, blues, and barbecue. I agree with you, Hogue. The 24-7 news cycle has caused a lot of mistrust in old school media and journalism. Rushing out stories to get first eyes leads to less rigorous vetting in stories. I think certainly. Certainly that is the case. And being more open about just going and needing to get clicks or engagement or whatever that is, while good on a kind of transparency basis, is not good overall for getting good news stories. Even in a country as big as the U.S., there's not enough national news going on all the time for a 24-hour news channel to need to exist. Extending the news hour to two or three hours makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but unfortunately, we have business models that are completely completely dependent on a 24-7 news cycle. So I don't know how people just turn on Fox or CNN or MSNBC and just sit there because they repeat themselves so often. But I do know people that do that. Hornline Overtone says, if you care about being informed, you should read both Fox and CNN plus other sources and assume reality is somewhere in the middle of it all. Uh, that's that's true. That's true. It's just difficult sometimes because if you don't have anything to base anything on, if, if all of the institutional groundwork falls away, you just feel like you're floating in space. So I, I agree that you should triangulate. You should read multiple sources. But I also understand people that feel just a little bit without gravity because the institutions have so much lost trust in the last few years. Jalair Golightly says, I tend to read one article from the left, one article from the right, and the finding something from the middle. I think roughly, yes, that's what we were just discussing. You tend to get the most information that way. I think so. 
For crying out loud, says Murdoch, certainly is equated to tabloid journalism for me outside the U.S. He tried to repaint himself in the U.S. as being a news guy rather than someone selling gossip rags. I think so. Schmitty D says, with Rupert still lurking in the shadows, nothing will change. Pitification. Hi from Norway. May Hogue explain why LawTube in general is not covering the law side of the Trump trials? No, it is polarizing, but a lot less, a lot of interesting law too. I can't speak for all of my colleagues talking about law stuff on YouTube, but I can tell you that for me, I'm still kind of getting back into the swing of things, doing, doing videos and live streams at all. So you won't get things that are that highly polarizing or that incendiary in this space. And I apologize for that if you're interested in it. I think some of my colleagues might well pick up the reins there, but I can't make promises for them, unfortunately. Chinchilla of Shrimp Fried Rice, our wonderful editor here. If you like the shorts that are on this channel, if you like seeing some of the editor's uh, stuff, Chinchilla is doing all of that work for us and is absolutely fantastic. Hogue is the YouTube Care Bear mogul slash Final Fantasy Moogle. I will accept those. I will accept Care Bear Mogul and Final Fantasy Moogle. I'll accept both of those. It's excellent. Thank you, Chinchilla. I really appreciate it. And we're just about done for today. So if you have anything else that you want to flag, either for commentary or questions or anything else, super chats, you want to call me a Moogle or a Mogul, all of those are welcome, but I'm going to be cutting off in just a couple minutes. So let me know now, or as they say, forever hold your peace. But I really appreciate everybody being in here. Had hundreds of folks watching this video at nine in the morning Eastern. So I really appreciate it. Have a lot of fun. Uh, Carolyn is given tips to go see other people in LawTube. Emily D. Baker is usually pop culture. And Natalie has really been doing great coverage on eight passengers and some other cases that have been coming up recently. Yeah, I recommend Emily and Natalie. They're both fantastic. Go check them out. They do great work. Um, but yes, I, I'm basically doing weekly hangouts and headlines now and then virtual legalities when something pops up that I want to cover basically immediately on a legal side. David Bernane says, Rupert's father, Keith Murdoch, was just as bad in manipulating politics. It's fair. We, we all descend from parents that have certain certain qualities and characteristics. You've seen Papa Hogan here in the space and from time to time. Burns says, had to Google Moogle, it rhymes. Yes, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy Moogles are cute and adorable and definitely cuter than me, but... I love Final Fantasy, so I accept the titling. Heathers, have a great weekend, everyone. Kelly says, Hogue, go blue. Absolutely. Big game for Michigan tomorrow. We'll see if, how they do against an actual competitor within their league. And uh, we'll go from there. So, everybody, thank you for joining me for Hangouts and Headlines today. I had a great time with you. Get through Friday. Get to the weekend. I hope you have a good one. And I will see you at some point next week in Hangouts and Headlines and maybe in a virtual legality as well. Talk to you soon.